Chapter Four of Charlotte Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Charlotte Temple by Susanna Rosen. Chapter Four. Change of Fortune. It was some days, continued Mr. Eldridge, recovering himself, before I could venture to inquire the particulars of what had happened during my illness. At length I assumed courage to ask my dear girl how long her mother and brother had been dead, and she told me that the morning after my arrest George came home early to inquire after his mother's health, stayed with them but a few minutes, seemed greatly agitated at parting, but gave them strict charge to keep up their spirits and hope everything would turn out for the best. In about two hours after, as they were sitting at breakfast and endeavoring to strike out some plan to attain my liberty, they heard a loud rap at the door, which Lucy running to open, she met the bleeding body of her brother, borne in by two men who had lifted him from a litter, on which they had brought him from the place where he had fought. Her poor mother, weakened by illness, and the struggles of the preceding night was not able to support this shock. Gasping for breath, her looks wild and haggard, she reached the apartment where they had carried her dying son. She knelt by the bedside, and taking his cold hand, My poor boy, said she, I will not be parted from thee, husband, son, both at once lost. Father of mercies, spare me. She fell into a strong convulsion, and expired in about two hours. In the meantime, a surgeon had dressed George's wounds, but they were in such a situation as to bar the smallest hopes of recovery. He was never sensible from the time he was brought home, and died that evening in the arms of his sister. Late as it was when this event took place, my affectionate Lucy insisted on coming to me. What must he feel, said she, at our apparent neglect, and how shall I inform him of the afflictions with which it has pleased heaven to visit us? She left the care of the dear departed ones to some neighbors who had kindly come in to comfort and assist her, and on entering the house where I was confined, found me in the situation I have mentioned. How she supported herself in these trying moments I know not. Heaven no doubt was with her, and her anxiety to preserve the life of one parent in some measure abated her affliction for the loss of the other. My circumstances were greatly embarrassed, my acquaintance few, and those utterly unable to assist me. When my wife and son were committed to their kindred earth, my creditors seized my house and furniture, which, not being sufficient to discharge all their demands, detainers were lodged against me. No friend stepped forward to my relief. From the grave of her mother, my beloved Lucy followed an almost dying father to this melancholy place. Here we have been nearly a year and a half. My half-pay I have given up to satisfy my creditors, and my child supports me by her industry, sometimes by fine needlework, sometimes by painting. She leaves me every night, goes to a lodging near the bridge, but returns in the morning to cheer me with her smiles and bless me by her duteous affection. 
A lady once offered her asylum in her family, but she would not leave me. We are all the world to each other, said she. I thank God I have health and spirits to improve the talents with which nature has endowed me, and I trust if I employ them in the support of a beloved parent, I shall not be thought an unprofitable servant. While he lives, I pray for the strength to pursue my employment, and when it pleases heaven to take one of us, may it give the survivor resignation to bear the separation, as we ought, till then I will never leave him. But where is this inhumane persecutor, said Temple? He has been abroad ever since, replied the old man, but he has left orders with his lawyer never to give up the note till the utmost farthing is paid. And how much is the amount of your debts in all, said Temple? Five hundred pounds, he replied. Temple started. It was more than he expected. But something must be done, said he. That sweet maid must not wear out her life in a prison. I will see you again tomorrow, my friend, said he, shaking Eldridge's hand. Keep up your spirits. Light and shade are not more happily blended than are the pleasures and pains of life and the horrors of the one only serve to increase the splendor of the other. "'You never lost a wife and a son,' said Eldridge. "'No,' replied he, "'but I can feel for those that have.' Eldridge pressed his hand as they went toward the door, and they parted in silence. When they got without the walls of the prison, Temple thanked his friend, Blakeney, for introducing him to so worthy a character, and telling him, he had a particular engagement in the city. Wished him good evening. "'And what is to be done for this distressed man?' said Temple, as he walked up Ludgate Hill. "'Would to heaven I had a fortune that would enable me instantly to discharge his debt. What exquisite transport! To see the expressive eyes of Lucy beaming at once with pleasure for her father's deliverance, and gratitude for her deliverer.' But it is not my fortune, affluence, continued he, nay, superfluous wealth, when compared to the extreme indigence of Eldridge. And what have I done to deserve ease and plenty, while a brave, worthy officer starves in a prison? Three hundred a year is surely sufficient for all my wants and wishes. At any rate, Eldridge must be relieved. When the heart has will, the hands can soon find some means to execute a good action. Temple was a young man, his feelings warm and impetuous, unacquainted with the world. His heart had not been rendered callous by being convinced of its fraud and hypocrisy. He pitied their suffering, overlooked their faults, thought every bosom was as generous as his own, and would cheerfully have divided his last guinea with an unfortunate fellow-creature. No wonder, then, that such a man without waiting a moment for the interference of Madame Prudence, should resolve to raise money sufficient for the relief of Eldridge by mortgaging part of his fortune. We will not inquire too minutely into the cause which might actuate him in this instance. Suffice it to say, he immediately put the plan in execution, and in three days from the time he first saw the unfortunate lieutenant, he had the superlative felicity of seeing him at liberty, and receiving an ample reward in the tearful eye and half-articulated thanks of the grateful Lucy. 
And pray, young man, said his father to him one morning, what are your designs in visiting thus constantly that old man and his daughter? Temple was at a loss for a reply. He had never asked himself the question. He hesitated, and his father continued. It was not till within these few days that I heard in what manner your acquaintance first commenced, and cannot suppose anything but attachment to the daughter could carry you such imprudent lengths for the father. It certainly must be her art that drew you in to mortgage part of your fortune. Art, sir, cried Temple eagerly. Lucy Eldridge is as free from art as she is from every other error. She is... Everything that is amiable and lovely, said his father, interrupting him ironically. No doubt, in your opinion, she is a pattern of excellence for all her sex to follow. But come, sir, pray tell me, what are your designs toward this paragon? I hope you do not intend to complete your folly by marrying her. Were my fortune such as would support her according to her merit, I don't know a woman more formed to ensure happiness in the married state. Then prithee, my dear lad, said his father, since your rank and fortune are so much beneath what your princess might expect, be so kind as to turn your eyes on Miss Weatherby, who, having only an estate of three thousand a year, is more upon a level with you, and whose father yesterday solicited the mighty honor of your alliance. I shall leave you to consider on this offer, and pray remember that your union with Miss Weatherby will put it in your power to be more liberally the friend of Lucy Eldridge. The old gentleman walked in a stately manner out of the room, and Temple stood almost petrified with astonishment, contempt, and rage. End of chapter 4 Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas